Hallelujah. And so after 2 Corinthians, um, God is touching this church in a different dimension. And so, of course, it's important to pray. But but most important thing is that our direction is facing towards God. And in order to do that, we need to live by the Holy Spirit. We need to be focused on the Holy Spirit. And so, as I said earlier in the announcement, as I was preparing to integrate the eschatology, I'm preparing, preparing, and, and, and preparing. And as I was preparing to preach out of the books of wisdom, uh, preaching out of Ecclesiastes and maybe Song of Solomon's, but, but there, was, there was too much um, to go through. And so as I was looking through it, I, I, I kind of realized that this, this, this is not something that this is not something that I can just do half-heartedly. I needed to be full, full, fully in. And so, so, right? It says vain, vain, and 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 yeah. How can we explain this vanity, right? Because in Ecclesiastes, it first it first says that. It first says that wisdom is vanity, and then later it says that you need wisdom, and then and then in the beginning it says that riches is vanity, and then and then in the end of that book it says that blessed are those who are who receive riches from God, and so so how to explain these things? It's a little bit complicated. It requires a little bit of time, and so to do this at the same time of integrating the eschatology was too difficult, and so. And so as I'm uh, integrating the eschatology, I wanted to be able to preach things that, that, were, that were a bit more easier for me to preach out of. And so, so that's why I was thinking, I was thinking about going through Psalms. And as I was thinking about going through Psalms, um, God told me to rather to preach on the Holy Spirit. And so for now, I think I want to preach about the Holy Spirit. So today is the life with the Holy Spirit versus the life of the flesh. So that's 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 the that's what today's topic is, is to live by the Holy Spirit. And if you want to live by the Holy Spirit, you need to put the flesh to death. And this is a sermon that you've heard many times, but 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 let's just go through this 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 sermon today without without any uh, notes, but just 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 the book, just the text itself. And so we need to live by the Holy Spirit. That's the most important thing is, is that we live by the Holy Spirit. And if you, and honestly, if you live by the Holy Spirit, then that is the panacea to everything. Because because as long as you have the Holy Spirit, there's no issue. The problem is, is because you live by yourself. That's why the world is so difficult. That's why there are so many obstacles. And so for this for the time that I'm standing on this stage, uh, I want to speak about the Holy Spirit. And so next week, I think, next time I stand, I think I'll preach on John 14. Anyways, there's much to do. There's much ground to cover. And so uh, when you pray for me, please pray that, that the eschatology would be integrated in me. Uh, because this isn't as easy as I thought it would be. Honestly, when, when you just touch the eschatology already, there's so much attack by the devil. And so it's the same thing right now. There's so much attacks as I'm as I'm going through Daniel and Revelation. That the moment I open those books, there's already attacks coming from the devil. And so, in, because look at the times right now. The times right now it, it, it applies. And then not only that, but the times that is going on in our church right now. And so. And so really, I could see people like they, they're so so oppressed right now. Uh, you know. Um, um, last Monday, as I was doing the leaders leaders meeting, there was people who couldn't even breathe. Right, and, and, 
So this is the situation that we are in right now. So please continue to pray for that eschatology. Amen. Uh, and we want this eschatology to take wings. And really, it's not because of interpretation. Interpretation is not the problem. Actually, the problem is, is more like, what is going to happen? Um, uh, what, what, what can we look forward to? Like, like when is, is the headquarters of the UN going to move from New York to, to Europe? And, and then also, for example, like I thought that this war in Ukraine would end really soon. And yet, why is it taking so long? Why is it taking so long? Is this going to take longer and longer? And, and, so, and so is this going to lead to greater and greater wars? And so, so that's, these are the kinds of things that are being unraveled right now. Because if you look at the news these days, the news makes it look as if Russia is struggling. Russia is suffering, right? Actually, no, Russia is not suffering as much as the Western world is. The West is suffering much more. Think about it. If a poor person loses a little bit and has to sacrifice a little bit, that's not hard. But, but a rich person has to sacrifice a little bit, that is what's hard. And so who's suffering more? It's actually the West and not Russia. And what we need to understand is that when it comes to warfare in this day and age, War is not because they hate one another. They're warring because of the economics. They're warring because of this kind of this uh, the, the material things. And so, and so I'm looking to how this world war is going to end. And as this war ends, we're going to see Russia rise. Why? Because because they control gas and And Russia is going to grow and grow and grow uh, and, and, and uh, at the expense of the West. And so that's, those are the things that I'm looking at. What's going to happen in Russia? What's going to happen in China? What's going to happen in the Muslim world? What's going to happen between the Sunnis and the Shias? And look, honestly, like right now, it looks as if the Sunnis and the Shias are against one another. But really, they're, they're, they're going to come together. They're going to become one. These are all things that are prophesied in, in the book of Revelations. And so uh, those of you who doze off these days, when we go to Revelation, you probably won't doze off because, because it's, fun to things to, it's fun to listen to, right? But why do we have to talk about these things? Because as the remnant... Oh, we need to understand the flow, the flow of the prophecies. And so this is what I am preparing, and that's what's actually causing a lot of difficulties. And so your spiritual father is suffering, isn't he, right? And so, so you know, show, uh, show me a little bit of that cash to, to help me be encouraged. <laughs> but anyways, let's continue. And so we really need to pray a lot, amen? Uh, pray that, that the pastor would be able to see and receive revelation clearly as this uh, eschatology is being um, integrated, that, that, that we all would be vigilant in our prayers, vigilant against the work of the devil. Amen? And so, and so now we want to speak about this Holy Spirit. So today's topic is, is life in the flesh, life in the spirit. And so actually rather it's those who live by the desires of the flesh and those who live by the desires of, of the spirit. But um, 
when you look at the context of this of this word, that's why I want to say that first that, that life in the flesh and life in the spirit. But what does this mean in other words? Is is living by the strength that the flesh gives, or living by the strength that the spirit gives? And so what must be clear is that what must be clear to you is that you live by one or the other. There are some of you who've come this far by the strength of the flesh. Some of you who have come through the strength of the Spirit, of the Word that the Spirit has given you. But one or the other is always leading you. It is the source of your life. And so as you're living your life, what is driving you? What is moving you? Are you being strengthened in the Spirit or are you being strengthened in the flesh? There's one or the other. There is no neutral. It's one or the other. And so today, as you're having worship through grace, uh, the, 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 the strength of the Holy Spirit is growing and growing. The new self is growing and growing. But others, through this same worship, your strength is getting stronger. So even though it's the same worship, someone is becoming uh, strengthened in the Spirit. Others are being strengthened in the sarks in the flesh. And so this simple proposition honestly is where you are confused most of the time and what is what is the principle of of deception is that even though this clear proposition this simple proposition is given to you you you're confused about this right and what where are you confused you think that i'm not living by the spirit but i'm also not living by the flesh i'm not living by the old self i, I just but i'm also not the new self no no, that cannot be the case. It's one or the other. If you are not living by the Spirit, then you are living by the flesh. And so it's when this is clear to you that these, that the spiritual things will start to flow more openly to you, that, that, that you will be clear. It's when you are clear in this, when you are firm in this, that you'll be clear. When you are unable to distinguish these two things, then actually the thing that you're going to lose sight of is true repentance. It's when this is clear and distinct inside of you that you are able to repent deeply, that you're, you are able to repent well. And so let's look at today's text. And, and so if, if you look at Galatians, and so Galatians, we want to look at Galatians really quickly, briefly. The focus of Galatians is, is these two kinds of things, these two kinds of heresies. And we see heresies here, and he speaks of these two heresies. And the first is the heresy of exclusivism, and then uh, this, this, this ultra-legalism, ultra-legalism. And Paul calls this heresy. What is the focus of legalism? Is that though I receive salvation through grace, I live out that salvation through works. Right? Doesn't this sound familiar to you? This is actually what's happening in the present day church. You received, you received uh, salvation through grace and you were filled with amazing inspiration and emotion. But then after that, you start living by your strength. You live by your works. And so slowly you lose the joy of that salvation, right? And so you, you are no longer able to recognize what it means to come before the throne of grace and to cry out to God. And that is legalism. That is exclusivism. That though you have been saved by grace, it is through your works that you, that you bring that salvation to, to perfection. 
and this 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 heresy has been working out throughout the 2000 year history of the church and to Paul this is heresy and so that's what Paul's been speaking of up until chapter 5 verse 15 regarding the law and these ultra legalistic people and when it comes to legalism from the perspective of the of Israel this written law this written law isn't just what's being referred to when he talks about legalism because remember of course there were Jews here in the in Galatia but but it's written to to the Gentiles right and so what is legalism legalism isn't just the written law but the life that lives by what you can build for yourself the life that lives based on what your strength is and so when it speaks of legalism here Paul is also comparing that to the Spirit of God and then, so to, and then now the second heresy is regarding syncretism. And then also as he speaks of syncretism, he speaks of the Holy Spirit. So what's going on? And so whether it's legalism or syncretism, what is syncretism? Syncretism is worldliness. It's being mixed, being mixed with, with the truth, mixing the truth with everything else. And this is also something that's very familiar to you, right? Again, it's this day and age church. It's all about syncretism, always mixing worldly values with the church. And so, when you look at the church, there are always these two flows, either legalism or syncretism. And the base at legalism is that the walls of the church are so high. And so, so the church has no influence to the world because, because those walls have been built up too high. Now, what about syncretism? Syncretism is opposite. There are no walls. And so all the things of the world comes into the church. But either way, as I said, whether it's syncretism or, or legalism, ultimately they are not living by the Holy Spirit. And so whether, whether and so that's why he compares and contrasts both legalism to the Holy Spirit and also syncretism to the Holy Spirit. So what's important here is not whether how well you know legalism or syncretism. No, it's about how well you know the Holy Spirit. No, it's about living by the Holy Spirit first and primarily. First and foremost is that as long as I live by the Holy Spirit, whether I know these things or not, I will be led by the Holy Spirit. Okay, remember I talked about people who, who, who train to find counterfeit money, right? They don't study fake bills. No, they study the real one every day, every day. So that the moment that something's fake comes in before them, they can spot it right away. It's the same thing to us spiritually. We're constantly looking at the Holy Spirit. And so when something apart from the Holy Spirit comes, we can be, we can be aware of it right away. And so it's about what is real, what is true, that I'm a prince, I'm a king, and I should keep looking at that. That's when I can see that, ah, oh, this is a eunuch and this is a slave. We are not eunuchs, but we are kings, we are princes, amen? And when you look at the people who have left this church, uh, there are many types, but there are also some of those who, who, who left because they were close to associate pastors. How funny is this? Now, I'm not trying to say that the associate pastors are bad, but, but, 
But if you are not close to me, but you're close to the associate pastor, that's wrong, right? You should be close to me first before the associate pastors, right? Because I'm the father of this, of this place. And so if you're close to me and then close to the associate pastors, then that's okay. But if you're close to the associate pastors first, and not only associate pastors, but now we're talking about pastors in training. And so it's because we are princes, we should be close to the king, not to eunuchs, right? And so it's the same way. We need to always be focused on the Holy Spirit, looking to the Holy Spirit and being, being uh, drawing from the Holy Spirit. And so what is the focus here? It's to live by the Holy Spirit. When you live by the Holy Spirit, then you will see what, 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 what the flesh what the flesh tries to do is because you live by the spirit that you can see ah this is what the flesh is trying to do so <laughs> so we're speaking of syncretism today but remember the focus isn't syncretism the focus is on the holy spirit it's not about legalism but the holy spirit living by the holy spirit and so as i said two men when you look at it from the perspective of the world when the world categorizes people, right, they give them categories like, well, are they rich or not? Are they good looking or not? Are they talented or not? There are many, many categories. But when it comes to the kingdom of God, there's only one category. What is that? Are you holy or not? Do you believe or not? That's it. And going beyond that, from that perspective, God has given me all of his glory. Then what's the most important thing to that? It's, of course it's God, right? The Holy Spirit, right? That's the key. And so even if I have all the money in the world, even if I have all the talents in the world, if, that, if I do not live by that Holy Spirit, that is foolishness. Let's say I'm playing basketball two on two and I have Michael Jordan on my team. Then, then would I be afraid of the other team? No, right? I would know exactly who to pass the ball to. All I have to do is follow whatever Michael Jordan does. And so, and so just leave. All I have to do is follow after the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit leads after me, leads me. And so... As I said, the most important thing in our lives to following after the Holy Spirit is this, is to acknowledge Him and welcome Him and continually making sure that He is leading you from before you. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. I don't understand why you make it so complicated. It's easy, isn't it? It's so easy, right? Is it easy or not? It is, yes? Is it easy or not? Then why can't you live it up? Really, this is easy. Right? If you're playing basketball, if you're playing basketball with Michael Jordan, all you have to do is give the ball to Michael Jordan, right? And so if you live by the Holy Spirit, then your life will become simplified. And primarily, if you are complicated, if you're complex, that's wrong. And so I said this yesterday, that if you cannot sleep, if you cannot go to sleep, then repent. <laughs> and as I said that my wife came this morning because she couldn't sleep and so I said repent <laughs> but, okay and so I was praying and I, I heard chapter, uh, 5 a.m. in the morning uh, praying and then all of a sudden in the middle of that team the, the flow kind of changed and then when I went in there my wife was there and so I knew that the, the 
that the spiritual flow kind of changed. And so when I looked, it was my wife. And so if you live by the Holy Spirit, then primarily your life will be simplified. Why? Because you don't have your thoughts. Okay, if the Holy Spirit says, go here, you go there. So primarily, this is the image of those who live by the Holy Spirit. And so look, what's the issue? The issue that is, is that because we're so strong in our flesh, that we are always rejecting Him and going against Him. And so we don't know what it means to rely on Him. I mean, we could even say to the point that you don't know how to hear His voice. But better expression is, is that you don't know how to rely on Him. You don't know how to trust Him. To someone who's living by the Spirit, whether they hear the Holy Spirit or not, they know the will of Holy Spirit trying to lead them. It's really easy for them. And this isn't about your ability. Many people think that, ah, this is someone who has much ability, who's supernatural. No, it's not about supernatural ability. Their character and their being is being led by God. So whether they heard something or not, all of a sudden they just don't want to go. And so they don't go. And that's the image of those who live by the Holy Spirit. It's not because they heard something. It's not because they know something. No, it's just they are led by the Holy Spirit in their instinct, in their primal being. And so they, so they, they don't go because they just feel like, oh, I shouldn't go. And so how he leads according to his will is very simple. It's really simple. And so when you are unable to do so, then primarily as you're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Wait, sorry, one moment. Okay, so the Holy Spirit's voice okay, it's, it's not something that you hear auditorily it, it's, more, it's more like catching His waves And so receiving His will Receiving His purpose And so it's not about listening But, but just being led by Him And so as you're, as you're being led by Him You follow and, and if He stops, you stop And so let's say you wanted to say something But all of a sudden you feel that the Holy Spirit Doesn't want you to say it And so you don't say it That's what it is So that's what I mean when I say Being sensitive to the Holy Spirit Be sensitive to the Holy Spirit And why are you unable to do this Is because your fleshly life Has been so strengthened inside of you You have given yourself over to that flesh too much And so he speaks of syncretism here And he describes those who live by the Holy Spirit in three ways. In verse 16, it says, walk by the Spirit, right? You need to walk by the Spirit. So he's saying that they will walk by the Spirit. And then in verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, so the Holy Spirit is leading you. And then in verse 26, verse 25, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And so being in step with the Spirit. Right, back in the day when you were little, you would play the game, uh, the, three, the three-legged race, right? You would do a three-legged race. And then, so let's say Deacon Hong and Deacon Chang became one team. And then Deacon Seung and, De- and Deacon Taeung became teams. Then who would win? Like, you would think, you would think these people who have longer legs, right? 
But when they are tied together, you can't guarantee that they'll win. Maybe though, though they may be shorter, they might they might be more united in heart, and so they're going one, two, one, two, one, two, and so they they are tuned to one another, and they might be better attuned to one another, and so they might win, right? And so that's what this means by being in step with the Spirit is that you are you are aligned to the Holy Spirit and being like one, two, one, two. And so these three, listen carefully, listen carefully. So these three expressions, what is the focus of these three expressions? First is you need to get rid of your strength. You need to not have your own strength. Then you'll be aligned to the Holy Spirit. Secondly, your will. You need to not have your own will. It needs to be the Holy Spirit's will. So what does that mean? It means that my direction is aligned to God. I am aligned to God. I'm attuned to God. And what else does it mean? It means that I'm not sensitive to the world, but I'm sensitive to the Holy Spirit. What does the sensitivity mean? It symbolizes that you are focused on the Holy Spirit. So as you're living your daily life, you're tw- throughout the 24 hours, how, how much of that day are you fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit or how much of that are you fellowshipping with the world through your thoughts, through your experiences, through your ability? There's some of you who've been broken so much that throughout the entire week you didn't even think about God even once. There's some of you who's just fellowshipping only with 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 the world, For, with the world, right? Like him, always because he just had his newborn son, always just looking at his holy, oh, just looking at his son, looking at his son, 24 hours, just constantly looking at his son. Right, you saw him leading praise here. He was filled with his own strength and with his strength, like, like leading praise. But the important thing was even still, God gave grace and so his presence was there. So these kinds of guys were probably throughout the entire week. Okay, back in the day, he loved Sammi the most. Sammi was everything in his world. Now it's not Sammi, it's his son, right? Now that he gave birth to his son, he doesn't even see his wife, right? And so look, Abraham, when he gave birth to Ishmael, you can understand why he stopped talking to God for 14 years, right? Because, because he had son when he was a grandfather, right? He had a, he had a son that was like a grandson. And so that's why I'm saying be careful, right? Being careful. You need to be careful. And so if you go to Yongguang Church, okay, that after Yungi went there, uh, Pastor Park no longer prays. He's always looking at his grandson, always looking after his grandson. <laughs> But this is everything. Is, is are you focusing on the Holy Spirit? Are you having fellowship with the Holy Spirit? How much time are you spending with the Holy Spirit? And so as I say to you all the time, 
even, even in your workplace, wherever you may be in the world, constantly invite the Holy Spirit. Welcome the Holy Spirit. Always holding on to the whole lifeline that is the Holy Spirit. And that's why when you come home after work, a hard day of work, you can pray. Let's say that you're not, work, you're not living with the Holy Spirit throughout the entire day. And then after you're being fill, uh, filled up with all that exhaustion coming to church, thinking that you'll be able to pray. No, that's not possible. And so, look, prayer in itself is not what's important, but that prayer shows you how much you've been living with the Holy Spirit throughout that day. And so that's why it's so important. So we need to hold on to the Holy Spirit every moment by moment, welcoming the Holy Spirit every moment by moment. So Holy Spirit, please come. Holy Spirit, be present in this place. Holy Spirit, lead me. I have fellowship with you, right? And so these three expressions are here. And the focus is what? You need to have no strength, your own strength. Lose your own strength, which means to not be lazy and putting yourself to death. I said this so much. I emphasize this so much. Now do you finally understand why I emphasize this? The emphasis isn't on putting yourself to death. The emphasis is on living by the Holy Spirit. And so when you live by the Holy Spirit, it will become impossible for you to live by your strength. Right when the eagle rises up to the heaven, what what goes against the eagle? It is it is this this air resistance, right? There's air resistance, and so as long as if that, and so if he goes against that air resistance, then he cannot fly up. And so, so what's what is the resistance against the spirit? It is the flesh. And so if we do not want to live, if we do not want to go against the Holy Spirit, then we need to put the flesh to death. And so if you look at it from the big perspective, do you know why you have suffering? It's because you are bound from your lack of living with the Holy Spirit. And it's because of these bindings that, that through these bindings that, that, that God would be able to loosen them through your suffering. That is His good purpose behind these hurts, these, these, these sufferings. And so think about it. God is, especially to his children, it is torture to leave them in their bindings, to leave them in their, in their, in their sin, right? And so that's why even to the point that he's willing to allow these sufferings to happen, allow these hardships to happen. And so look, even right now, there's all this suffering that's going on in our church. And this is suffering. I'm not discounting that. It is hardship, right? It is hardship, but look, what, what, are, what, what is the purpose of all of these things? It's because she, she has all it, or it's because there are all these bindings. And, and, so, and so if we loosen those bindings through these sufferings, then these sufferings are not a curse. And that's what we need to understand. That's what we need to be able to acknowledge and accept. If you do not see glory, then these sufferings ultimately just become suffering. It, but the fact, and so, but we need to be able to see that these things are loosening us. These things are setting us free. And so, in Yoruban Church, don't think that you're just going to live your life however it comes by. That's that's not how you should live your life. That's not going to happen. Why? Because this is a church that has the glory of God. And because the glory of God is here, the glory of God is not going to leave you to be, leave you in your bindings. And then on top of that, His word is here. And if He were to leave you in your bindings, that goes against His word, right? 
Because as we see, why did he give us his word? It's so that we can enter into glory, so that we can enter into his kingdom, right? That is his pinnacle of his love. That is his determination for us to live forever together. And so even from this perspective, his promise, his will, is all, all of these things is for us to lay down these spiritual bindings. And so, of course, it's not important just to loosen. What's more important is not to be bound, right? If you're not bound, then you don't need to loosen. Right? Expanding the kingdom of heaven and being more holy, more pure. And as it says in 2 Corinthians, right? Being an aroma of Christ to the world. You are being the standard of judgment and salvation to the world. That is the principle behind what God's purpose was for your life. But you, because of all these bindings, because of all these these hardships, as Peter said, that is that do not treat a trial of fire as as strange, because it's through that trial of fire that all the the impurities are are refined away. Amen. And so. We need to understand that when we do not live by the Spirit, we are being bound. And this is not insignificant, but very significant in our lives. Until that very day we meet Him, we need to loosen it. We need to loosen it. And, and that's why we look to the worship. We look to God. And then, and then if you are not bound, not being bound, continue looking to the Holy Spirit, having deeper fellowship with the, with the Holy Spirit, and going to that place of glory that God has prepared for you. Amen. And this isn't the purpose for only select few. No, it's to all his children. It is his promise, his will to all his children. So let's continue. And so we looked at these three perspectives that Paul spoke of. And so what is the focus of these three perspectives? Is getting rid of your strength, getting rid of your own will, so that your will is not bound. Because your will is not bound, there is no strength to, to resist God. You're able to follow God's direction wherever he leads. And then thirdly, Thirdly is by living by the Spirit, continually inviting Him, welcoming Him. And then so we are what? Sensitive to Him. Sensitive to Him. And so as I said, sensitivity isn't as you see when people receive fire rolling on the floor. No, that's not sensitivity. Sensitivity is being led by the Spirit. That when the Holy Spirit doesn't like something, you, you catch that. When the Holy Spirit is pleased, you catch that. That's what sensitivity is about. Knowing. Knowing whether you are aware of it or not. Whether you hear it or not. Because the image is like the Holy Spirit leading you, the Holy Spirit leading you by the leash. That the Holy Spirit is right before you and leading you. That's the kind of feeling that needs to be there. That's the kind of feeling and that's the picture that needs to be in your mind when you see your life with the Holy Spirit. And so all of these things, that, that these amazing words that God speaks of in the Bible, for example, come before the throne of grace. What does that mean? What does it mean? Why are you unable to understand it? It's because you do not live by the Holy Spirit. When you live by the Holy Spirit, when you live in the new self, you know the feeling of and joy of coming before the throne of grace. But it's because you're going back and forth between the old self, new self, old self, new self, going back and forth between the flesh and the spirit. And that's why you don't understand what any of these things means. And so you need to spend more time living with the Holy Spirit. Then you will be filled with the inspiration of what it means to draw near to the throne of grace. 
And so unless you spend time with God, you cannot understand His blessing for you. You cannot understand what He has for you. And so primarily, you need to spend more time with God. In your life, this is actually what you've been training for. And yet... Many of you still live so much by the flesh and only a little bit by, by the Holy Spirit, or to some even none. And so you are unable to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And so all of these spiritual blessings of God, you are unable to receive it in faith. For example, you are His child, and so the power and authority is yours. And to you, 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 you receive these words as comfort, and you, you, you accept it, but, but it never manifests in you. Why? Because your confirmation, you do not have the confirmation of that. It's the confirmation comes through the new self inside of you. And so as that new self is confirmed inside of you, it expands and it grows on that promise. But if, because you live by the Spirit only little by little, that, that same inspiration, that same revelation is not there. And so all the promises that God has given us through the Bible, now there are some things that happen the moment you believe, but for the most part, it's about spending time with the Holy Spirit that you confirm and you embody it. And so through momentarily grace, you say, Amen, I am a child of God. And there's only one of that. And what is that? It is salvation. Salvation, the moment you receive it, you are saved, right? That, ah, I was a sinner and now through Jesus Christ, I am saved. But apart from that, everything else is through your relationship to the Holy Spirit. Relationship to your Holy Spirit and you embody everything else. And then so from this perspective, you may think that this is difficult, but actually it's not difficult. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you and He holds all the promises. He holds all the blessings. And this isn't done through my works. It's not done through my efforts. But actually through the grace of Jesus Christ, through the merit of Jesus Christ, already those things are already implanted in me through the Holy Spirit. And as I live with the Holy Spirit, they are revealed, they are manifest one by one in my life. And so what we need to understand is through the Bible is, is that we need to live by the Holy Spirit. And if we don't live by the Holy Spirit, as we'll see in today's text, is that ultimately means that you are living by the flesh. And so, humanly speaking, some people may be happy, some people may be sad, right? That's the world, what the world thinks. Right? Some people may be angry. There are many categories, right? And yet, spiritually looking, if someone is not rejoicing, then that person is sad. There is no neutral state in the spiritual world. There is no middle ground. And so just as I said, just because you don't live by the Spirit, that doesn't, uh, it doesn't mean that... Or, so the world thinks that if I don't live by the light, I'm, I'm also not living by the darkness. I'm somewhere in the middle. No, that's not the case spiritually. Spiritually, it's only one or the other. So if you are not rejoicing, then you are, you are mourning. If you are mourning, then you, you are not rejoicing. And so as I say all the time, you need to have this clear, distinct line between spirit and flesh. Because of Babylon, this line becomes so hazy. 
What is evidence of that? Is because you don't live that way, right? And, and you don't think that this is a problem. And so you keep uh, comforting yourself. That even though I don't live by the Holy Spirit, that, that, that it's not a big issue. That, that, that even though I'm living by the flesh, life still goes on. And so you don't think it's a problem. Now, it may not be a problem now, but that strength is growing inside of you. And as it grows inside of you, what's going to happen is that eventually it comes to the point where you will be resisting the Holy Spirit completely. Whether it be because of money, whether it be because, because of health, whether it be because of people, there will always come that moment. And so even though you're living this fleshly life, there are many of you who think that there's no problem with your life. But as I say, that's not the case. Remember, just because when you sin, it doesn't end with that sin. That sin keeps exponentiating. It keeps multiplying the strength of the flesh inside of you. And so if you just leave it alone, you just continue to grow to that. And so if you want to be damned, then what do you need to do? Do nothing. Because as you do nothing, that damnation will grow inside of you. And that's continually going to bind your life. And as it goes deeper inside of you, as it becomes personalized inside of you, as it becomes personified inside of you, what happens is that you cannot recognize these things as sin. You cannot recognize immorality as sin. You cannot recognize greed as sin. You cannot recognize powerlessness as sin. You don't think that powerlessness is a problem. You think that powerlessness is just a part of life. It's just a part of your character. If you understand that this is an issue, then there's hope for you. If you understand that this is a sin, then there's hope for you. That, ah, there's an issue. Then, then there's hope for you. But for the most part, because you keep receiving this fleshly aspect, as it becomes personified inside of you, you don't even recognize it as sin. And through that kind of life, all they do, as they live in a religious life, what happens is that no matter how much they pray, they're never answered. God doesn't respond to them. And so that's why they fall into despair. And what do they say? What's the conclusion that they come to? Oh, it doesn't matter how much, how hard I pray because God's not going to answer anyways. No, it's standing before Him boldly. And when you stand before Him boldly and in faith, He responds to you. Of course He responds to you. And yet, why doesn't He respond to you? It's because you are not praying with that authority. It's because you are not praying with that faith. It's because... It's because you're praying out of your own strength, out of your own ability, out of your own desires. God did not give you this gift of prayer so that you can ask what you desire. No, it's given to you as authority according to His will. And so you are bold. But if you live by the flesh, then, then where, is you, where are you going to suffer in your faith life? Primarily, it's going to be in your prayer life first. And so think, take this time really quickly. Take this time really quickly to think about how many times God has answered your prayer. Just recently, how many times has God answered your prayer? I'm sure many of you are, are sad and are despairing because of this. God, am I, am I father and son with you? Because think about, think about it. Look at my life. God is answering my prayer every moment by moment. Listen, but many of you don't even remember the last time God answered your prayer, right? What does that mean? That means you are living by the flesh. And you are praying only according to what you need, what you desire, what your flesh wants.
And so, what's the promise that we have before God is that when we cry out to Him, we cry out what? We cry out, Abba, Father. Why did he use this word, Abba, Father? It's like a two, three-year-old child crying out to his father. And so you cannot persuade him not that, no, you cannot have it. If, if the two-year-old child says, I want ice cream, you have to give them the ice cream, right? Or else they're going to cry. Or you can beat them up. And so, so it's one or the other, right? And so... And so when God promises regarding his prayer, he is our father. And he's not just a father, but he's our Abba father. Meaning that he will give. He will give. And so with this prayer, we are praying. And yet you don't know the last time he answered your prayer? So this is showing you how fleshly your life is. How terrifying is that? As a child of God, as it says in 2 Corinthians 2.17, that right that Jesus welcomes us advocates us and so we need to receive from the father in order to live and so it's when he gives that we can survive it's not me surviving out of what I have no that's not a child of God and so from this perspective if I live by the flesh what that means is that my experiences my possessions my methods has has been what I've been relying upon up until now not by the not the Holy Spirit And so don't treat this lightly. Don't think that, oh, I'm just living because life flows this way. No. You need to understand that this life that is moved by the flesh, by the sarks, that it is binding you. It is binding you. And you are suffering. Even now you are suffering. Because you're unable to receive the glory, the nobility, the honor that God is giving you. So 32 years ago when I first met with God, that's what I said to God that, that Lord I believe everything that the Bible says and yet why isn't this being manifest in my life why isn't this being made manifest in my life I complain to God either erase this from the Bible or answer me because I believed in this word and I knew that this is a promise and that when I pray I would receive answers but I wasn't receiving answers and then so as I was praying I came to realize that ah, it's because I'm not living by the Holy Spirit I'm living by the flesh now, for example, let's say I said, Lord, I need money, and he didn't give you money. Then the fact that he didn't give you money is actually a blessing to you. Why? Because if you were to receive that money at that time, that would be a curse to you. And so the best thing is, is that when we ask for A, we receive A. But if he doesn't give us A and it's B, then you need to understand that if we were to receive A, it would kill us. And that's what you need to recognize and acknowledge. And through that, you need to repent. Through that, repent. Because this world lives by the principle of you reap what you sow. That whatever, that as much as you reap, uh, as much as you sow is what you will reap at the best. Right? That's the best. You can just get one for one. Many times you don't even get one for one. But, but what about God? God is, He gives. Whatever He gives you, gives to lives. And so, that is the people of God. Is that It's not about what they sow. It's about what God gives. And if God doesn't give, they will not stand still. Look at David. Look at Daniel. Right? God, you must give. God, you must give. So if you live by the flesh, then automatically what's going to be applied to your life is that 
You're going to live by what you have, by what you know, by your experiences. And as time goes by, you think that this is natural. You think that this is right. And so you don't ask God, why is this the case? What is the problem with this? Why aren't you keeping your promises? You don't, you don't care. You just say, God, don't bother me too much. That I'll cover this part of the contract. Of course, you don't say that consciously, but that's how, what you're saying through your life. So understand that this is a critical issue. And so, ultimately, the only choice, the only option is to live by the Holy Spirit. Because if that's not the case, then why did He give the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you? The fact that the Holy Spirit is dwelling inside of you is such a significant matter. Why did He, the King of all glory, enter into you? It's so that you can live by this grace. Right, so because he knows that living by the Holy Spirit is the only way to live, is the only way to truly live. Let's say that a man has a dollar, a thousand one, and his son is sick, and they went to the operating room, but now he needs a hundred thousand one. But with that thousand one, what can he do for that son? Nothing. What's going to happen to that son? That son is going to die. So that is the limitation of his a thousand one, right? But now let's say someone has a hundred million one. And his son is sick. And the operation cost a hundred thousand one. Will he be able to or not? He will, right? But let's say that he has a hundred million one. But they weren't able to receive the money, and so the son died. Then which one is going to feel more aggrieved? The one who died because he didn't have money, or the one who died even though he had the money? And so God has given you everything, everything to solve all of this issue, and yet you are dying? Right? That's what it is to live in the flesh. That's what's going on is that even though you have a hundred million one, you are dying because you can't pay the hundred thousand. Even though inside of you is that hundred million. That's what's going on. That's what it means when you live by the flesh, even though you have this amazing rich man inside of you, you die because you fail to pay. So as I always say, who is the victor Victor in life? It's not the one who knows the most. It's not the one who has the most. It's not the one who is talented the most. No, it's the one who is being led by the Holy Spirit. God did not create you to be a worker. I say that all the time, every time. God did not create you to be a worker. If God created you to be a worker, He would have made you first. When did he make you? He made you last. After creating the entire universe, man was created last. Who works? The angels work, right? God, no, not angels. God works. God works. And you cry out to me and I will answer you, right? That's what God says. Amen? God is the one who works. And so who's the one who can make God to be busy? That's the one who will be victorious. Continue to work in me, Lord. 
continue to work. And so every morning, that's how I pray, right? That Holy Spirit work, Holy Spirit move. Even today, move in me. Move in my work today. Move in me, Lord. Anoint me, Lord. Move in me. More anointing, Lord. And so it's not me who goes forward, but the Holy Spirit who moves forward. And so when you live in the flesh, that's how dangerous it is. That's what you need to understand. Do you believe? And so what does he say? He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit. And so the important thing here is to walk by the Spirit. What does that mean? That means I need to lose my strength. So if I don't lose my strength, if I lose my strength, what does that mean? That means I live by the Spirit. And when you live by the Spirit, it doesn't just end there. It means that the new self goes inside of you. When the new self goes inside of you, what happens? The old self, the sarx, dies within you. And so as I always say, every day put your flesh to death, right? Now that principle isn't you putting the flesh to death. No, the reason why you are unable, the reason why I say put to death the flesh is because you have built up that flesh too much. But the original principle is to live by the Spirit. It's because you do not live by the Spirit. That's why I say put to the flesh death. Put to death the flesh. But the principle is living by the Spirit first. Living by the Spirit. And so many times, because we fail to live by the Spirit, there is the strength of the flesh. And so that's why I say put to flesh, put to the death, put to death the flesh. And so that's why I'm saying put it to death. It's because we do not live by the Spirit. So what's important here is that the principle isn't putting the flesh to death, but living by the Spirit. But many times because we fail to live by the Spirit, we need to put the flesh to death. And so we're finished with the first verse. This is really important. It's automatic if you live by the Spirit. And so as it says, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so all it is is living by the Spirit. That's what's most important. And so if you live by the Spirit, there's no reason for you to despair. If you smile, you will not be sad, right? You will not frown, right? So moving on to verse 17. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. And so against, what this word shows that there's warfare. They are fighting against one another. And so these two beings, they cannot ever come together. They cannot ever come together. And so as I said earlier, this life of Babylon, this life of the flesh, if it enters into you, then what deception comes over you is that you think that, that oh, you can compromise. And that through compromise, you can still live a relatively good life. Whether you are aware of this, consciously thinking of this or not, but if you, if you live by the flesh, then that's what's going to come over you spiritually. Thinking that you can compromise between the Sarks and the new self. Thinking that, you know, you can just live an adequate life. No, as I said, that's deception. That these fight so severely that one must die. So this is a really important principle for you to receive. This is a really important uh, yeah, principle. And so what else does it say? It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. 
And so you're unable to do what the Holy Spirit wants to do if you're living by the flesh. And if you want to live by the Spirit, it keeps you from doing what the flesh wants to do. And so remember, this desires of the flesh. What is this? It's the strength. It's his power. And so this power grows. If you live by the Spirit, then the power of that Spirit grows. So what's important is, is that we need to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And so the purpose here is if you live by the flesh, you will receive the power of that flesh. If you live by the Spirit, you will receive the power of the Spirit. You gain the strength to be able to live by the grace of God. So it's not the Holy Spirit that gets strengthened here, but it's actually you who is getting strengthened. You are getting strengthened because you are being led by the Spirit, right? And so the desires of the flesh and the desires of the Spirit are opposed to one another and they are fighting against one another. And so... So, of course, we need to do spiritual warfare, but ultimately, if you are not victorious within yourself, then you cannot be victorious outside. As it says in 1 John 3, 9, that the works of the devil, we need to deal with the works of the devil first in order to be victorious. Because no matter how much you chase away the flies, if the dung is still there, the flies are going to come back. So the most important thing is to allow the Holy Spirit's desires to strengthen you. And the only way, the most important secret for that spirit to grow inside of you is that in your inner warfare, letting that new self be victorious. Being a being that that new self can be victorious. And as you are victorious, each time that strength grows and grows inside of you. So why are you unable to have more relationship with the Holy Spirit? Extend your time with the Holy Spirit is because your flesh is winning. Your flesh is winning and bringing to submission the Spirit. That's why your relationship with the Holy Spirit gets cut off. And, that, and so you are cut off from the power and authority of prayer, of, of fellowship. The reason why your hope, your desire dies away is because your fleshly spirit is growing inside of you. Your fleshly power is growing inside of you. And so when the spirit withers away, it's because you've been living by the flesh so much. And so next to all of these, uh, so later we'll see in this, in this verse, in this passage, we'll see these lists of sins, right? And they are all accompanied with their own adjectives. These plural adjectives, right? Describing that, because all these things come with spirit. They come with spirits attached. And so when you live by the flesh, this is what happens to you. You get flooded with spirits. You get flooded with all these other things. So when you get filled with greed when you go to work, you, you get filled with adultery when you meet people. When you see the word of God, you're filled with unbelief. That's what's scary about this. Because you live with these spirits, your life gets more complicated because more and more spirits are being added to you. 
And so there's only one thing that simplifies, which is the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit is one. And because you're living with one, is your life going to be complicated or not? If, if your life is complicated, then that's a big issue, right? It cannot be complicated because you're living with one spirit. And when, it, when I say simplified, when you are simple, that doesn't mean you are dumb. No, through that one, you see everything. And so through, that, through God, you, you, are, you see all things. And through the Holy Spirit, what, what you see everything of this world. You see how this world moves, which means what? That's wisdom. You see the flow of wisdom. It's not because you know something, but because He lives in you. So when I say simple, it doesn't mean that you are dumb, okay? You know, you understand that, yes? It's when you are complicated that you are dumb, when you are foolish. Because you are unable to see what you need to see that you become foolish, you become dumb. So what does it say in Proverbs? It says that many people think that this that the road to destruction is right, but ultimately it just leads to death. And so they see that at the end of their life that ah, this led to death. But only the one who is led by the Word and the Spirit of God will come to life. Amen. And so let's continue. And so verse 17. So do not be lazy in this inner warfare that's going on within you. If you cannot feel it at all, that means you are not living by the Spirit. Or you are completely victorious and you are in glorification. Only these two people will not feel the severity of that warfare within them. And so if the desires are five to five, then you will find intense warfare. Warfare so much, so intense that you are unable to breathe. And as that victory gets taken, you become seven to three. Uh, then you'll start to be uh, see a bit of uh, freedom. Then when you come to nine to one, then you will start to see uh, this freedom. Then 100%, 10 to zero. Then you don't need to worry about the, about the flesh at all. And so, but... But no one's going to, uh, not that many people are going to get to that place, right? Because look, even Romans 7, where what does Paul say? Who, who will save me from this wretched body of mine? That even in his pinnacle of his spirituality, right? right? Even even him who gone through all this training, and when he goes out into the world, he sees that he this severe warfare going inside of him. That's why he says, Woe is me. How wretched I am this, who will save me from this body. So we need to experience this severe warfare. If you did not experience that, that means that what? That means that you are not you are not living by the spirit. You are living by the flesh. The flesh is completely victorious over you. And so, of course, you will not experience what it means to pray to God and that your prayer shakes the heavens. But I mean, at the very least, shouldn't you experience this kind of shaking of, of God's throne once a week, let's say, or once a month? Okay, let's just say, let's just say once a month. 
Okay, haven't you at least experienced it once a month? You've experienced it at least once a month, right? Or once in a month, right? But because of the flesh, the desires of the flesh go stronger and stronger, and you don't have this kind of experience. And you just grow into powerlessness and then fall into despair, always envying and, 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 and being divided. So when it comes to prayer, I, I, I want to explain it through prayer, but it, it's not only applying to prayer. Before, but the reason why I'm using prayer as an example is because prayer leads to strength. And so let's say that you pray this once a month where, where you are filled with the glory, understanding that your words are shaking the throne of God. Then, then you know, you, at least you have some hope because you've tasted it, right? But if you lose even that, then, then, then you are just being completely bound. No, you can go up and down. But let's say, but it's got to be, uh, what? Um, one moment. Okay, it, okay, I say up and down, but this up and down doesn't mean like three weeks down and then one week all of a sudden up. No, it's, it's you need to have this flow. That's not a healthy thing, being, being always falling into despair, always being defeated and then just being victorious every now and then. That's not what I mean by up and down is okay. What I mean by up and down is okay is, is that is that even though you fall, there is a reversal of the tide. There is a reversal. So you need to be experiencing the, the severity of this warfare. And at the end of that, what you'll realize is, as Paul said, how wretched this body of mine. So how much time are you going to spend here? I don't know. It, it, it varies person to person. Some of you may spend a lot of time here, right? When will this end? I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? God, God knows. Okay, verse 18. <clears throat> so, when we spoke of walking by the Spirit, and now verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And so being led by the Spirit. And so as I said earlier, you have no problem with your direction. Your direction is right. So as you continue to live by the Holy Spirit, then it's not just simply just ah, living by the new self. Wait, ah. What it means by living by the Holy Spirit is you're living by the new self. And when you're living by the new self, it means that your entire being is under the reign, the dominion of the Holy Spirit. And what that means is that the Word is reigning over you, which means that the power of the blood is moving inside of you. And so in your life, all the principles of grace and everything that God, the merits of Jesus Christ, achieved by Jesus Christ is inside of you and means that you are being meeting with God. Like it says in 1 Corinthians 2, that, that he, the Spirit is a spirit of fellowship leading you. And so every moment by moment you are meeting with God and you are living by what God gives, as it says in 1 Corinthians, that in Christ I'm living by what God gives. And that's not just Paul, but it's to anyone who is a new covenant being that is the life that we are to live. The only difference is, is that you, you do not feel the same joy and inspiration because you do not spend the same amount of time with the Holy Spirit. And so when you live by the Holy Spirit, 
It means that your entire being through Jesus Christ, all the grace that He gives is being manifest inside of you. Meaning that holiness is growing inside of you. The new self is growing inside of you. The glory of the gospel is shining inside of you and you're looking to that. And as you're looking at it, you're receiving it in faith. And so, so that is being made whole inside of you. Amen? And so if you are being led by the Spirit, you are not just simply being led, but it means that your will, your, your free will is completely attuned to God. Right now, many of you, your free will is resisting to God. That it's so difficult for you to be obedient to God. So, so let's say, oh, don't do your Holy Spirit, but it's so hard for you not to be holy, not to let go of your Holy Spirit because because your free will is attuned and against God. So when you are led by the Spirit, if the Holy Spirit is leading me, then it's not about. Uh, it means that in your intellect, emotion, and will, all your bindings are loosened and going beyond that as you're being led by the Holy Spirit, these, these functions of your spirit inside of you are not bound. But if you keep living by the flesh, these things are being wound, are, are being bound, whether, whether it's your emotions, your wisdom, whatever it is, you have this strength that resists God, so you're unable to live the life that the Holy Spirit desires from you. And so that's why your life is so complicated. But if you live by the Spirit, your free will becomes loosened. And your emotions are, are, are loosened. Your, your will is loosened. Your, listen carefully. Your intellect is loosened. So listen carefully. This is all reality. This is all reality. It's not ideology. It's not theory. So being led by the Spirit. When you are led by the Spirit... It means that your intellect, emotion, and will the Holy Spirit is leading you and so intellect, emotion, and will is what drives you and it means that all of your mindset is being led wherever the Holy Spirit wants you to go wherever God wants you to go. And so and so what's proper is if your spirit, soul, and flesh is aligned to God. But some people, instead of their spirit being led, it is, it's, it's the flesh. And because it's the flesh, they move by their thoughts. Uh, they move by their desires. And some people, it's their soul. And so because it's the soul, they move by what they, they think, their desires. And so, but your behavior should be following your spirit. Your behavior, your, your emotions should be following the spirit. And so when you are led by the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit leads you, then all of the relationship between intellect, emotion, and will is properly attuned to God. Meaning that you are not receiving darkness. But if you keep living by the flesh, then wherever you go, maybe your emotions are shut down. Your intellect is shut down. Your will is shut down. Wherever it is, you are being bound. And so you do not just all of a sudden become joyless. No, that joylessness comes from, from this binding. I say to smile and you don't know how to smile. You can't smile. And so look, it's not coincidence that you are joyless. No, because of these bindings. Even though you know what God has done for you, you're unable to digest it in faith. And so your emotions get bound. 
And so there are many of you whose emotions are bound. You don't know how much you should be rejoicing. You don't know how much you, even though, look at how much efforts I make to joke around and you can't laugh. Tonggang, what do you think about this? These are bindings of your emotions. And so when your emotions are bound, this is not an insignificant thing. What is emotions? When your emotions are bound, you are limiting the power of the Word of God. Other people, they have their intellect bound. What does intellect being bound? It means that their, 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 their wisdom is bound. If their wisdom is bound, then they are unable to, 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 to have practice self-control. What else? What about will? Your will is bound. And so these kinds of people, it's so hard for them to be obedient. So let's continue. Le leading by the Spirit. If you live by the Holy Spirit, there are many perspectives. But, for, but what this means is talking about being free. Being free. And so don't be... So, so spiritually, some people have these hurts of wounds. Some people have these hurt, have these issue of bindings. But ultimately, the problem is, is that whether it's hurts or, 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 or bindings, it's all because you chose it. it, it you, you received it through, you, through choice. And so if your heart is a well-watered garden, no matter how much people may wound you, you will not receive those wounds. And so if you feel, if you feel that, that you've failed much in your desires, then what happens is you fall into despair. There are many people who are like this, who choose their hearts, and so they're always enraged and always uh, despaired because of the failure of their desires. And so that's how important it is to live by the Holy Spirit. But when you live by the Spirit, the danger sometimes is that when you live by the flesh and you have a lot of uh, passion, you're passionate, you think that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, but you're living by your flesh. That is a danger thing. But anyways, if you are led by the Holy Spirit, you are not under the law. This feels random, right? Why does all of a sudden he says that you are not under the law? He's speaking of syncretism, and yet why does he bring about law? Why does he say that you are not under the law? And if we expand this, uh, what does it say in Romans 6? That you have been taken off from the law, that you have been set free from the law, and that uh, you have been put to death to the law. So if you're dead to the law, you are dead to sin. If you're dead to sin, then you are dead to law. And if you're dead to those two things, then you are dead to yourself. And so what's the focus of those things? And so uh, because I have, been, I have been crucified on the cross of Jesus Christ, it's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives inside me. And so continuing, expanding on that, what does it mean? It means that you are, you are, you are uh, living by the, by the life of Jesus Christ. And so, so uh, Jesus' death is my death, and so Jesus' life is my life. And so this is about continuing about your righteousness. And so as you expand upon it, if you expand this meaning, that's what this is talking about. But that's not what it's talking about here. Rather, it's more an idiom, an idiom that, that Paul is trying to say, that he brings up to the Galatians at all times. And, and so when he brings this up, he, he brings this up to the Galatians because he wants them to, to hear a certain thing. And so what is it? Uh, chapter 4, verse 5. Again, it says, under the law, right? Uh, this word comes out a lot in, in Galatians. 
right, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And so this under the law and redemption, what is this? This is all about people who are slaves to a master. And so when it says that you are no longer under law, it means that you have been set free. You are no longer slaves. You do not have to live a life based on your works, about what you possess, what you've done, what you're experiencing. You have been set free from all of those things. You have been redeemed. And so if you are set free, it doesn't just end by saying free. What happens now? What does, Galat- what does it mean by freedom in Galatians? Why is it important? It's not just freedom, but it's freedom of the kingly son, right? That's what Galatians is all about. So what does it say continuing here? So that we might receive adoptions as sons. So you're not just simply being redeemed. You're not just being redeemed from your slavery, but you are what? Being adopted as sons. Where else? In verse 6, what does it say? And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And so when Paul mentions Abba Father, what he's talking about, it's not about adoption. You are not just an adopted son, but you are an heir. And as an heir, you have an inheritance in his kingdom. And so you have an inheritance in his power, authority. And you are able. You are being who can receive that inheritance. And so when Paul says that you are not under the law, what is Paul speaking of right now? That if we are led by the Spirit, if we are living by the Holy Spirit, then inside of me, this this authority, majesty I have as an adopted son of God, as a fellow heir of God, as I said earlier, that the that the authority of being this priestly king. Why are these things important? Why are they unable to be manifest inside of me? It's because I'm not living by the Spirit and I don't have confidence in that and so the authority doesn't come out there. But if I live by the Spirit, then this authority will be made manifest in your life. That's what's important here. Listen carefully. And so where else does it say? Also in Romans 8. Romans 8 verse 15. What does it say? What does Paul say in Romans 8.15? Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so the Spirit is dwelling within you. And so what does he do inside of you? He continually says to you what? That, of who you are, reminding you of who you are, that you are adopted heirs of God. Constantly uh, confirming that. So let's say I fall into despair. And what does the Holy Spirit say to you? Do not despair. Do not despair. No, he doesn't say that. Rather, he says, who are you? Let's say I fall into despair. What does the Holy Spirit say to you? Who are you? What does the Holy Spirit say? Right? The Holy Spirit says, you are a child of God. And so in all of your cases, that's what the Holy Spirit always confirms inside of you. Let's say you fear, then what does the Holy Spirit say? Does the Holy Spirit say, do not fear, do not fear? No. What does he say? He says, you are a child of God. So do not fear. You are a child of God. And so in every circumstances, he is confirming your childhood, your sonship. And when you have that confidence... Why can we have that confidence? Because he's living that life. So being led by the Spirit. So from that perspective, because they live by the Spirit, what does it say in verse 16? Or verse 17? And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. 
Look at how often this word heirs comes out. Paul is continually emphasizing that they are heirs, that they have this inheritance. And so, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So look, suffering itself is not a problem because suffering is what is glorified. And so because we live by the Spirit, we have this authority and majesty of this inheritance and it's being made manifest inside of us. So Romans says the same thing that we're seeing in Galatians. If we live by the Spirit, we are heirs, fellow heirs with Christ. And so why is that not being made manifest inside of you? It's because you're not living by the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, then this authority will be manifest. Okay, well, let's say that suffering comes and you say, I am a child of God. No, the devil knows whether you, how much you believe it or not. But it's when you continue to live with the Spirit and when that suffering comes and then you say, I am a child of God, that's when the devil will tremble in fear because there's power behind your words. It's not just every once in a while. No, it's continually looking to the Spirit, continually falling after the Spirit, continually being led by the Spirit. And that's when, when that happens, the devil will know that this one is true. This one is real. If you're unable to do that, then what happens? Like it says in Acts, I know the name of Jesus, I know the name of Paul, but who are you? That's what happens if you do not live by the Spirit and only look to the name of Jesus every now and then. So who are you? Are you an heir or... Okay, according to your, your faith, it will be unto you. Amen? So let's turn back to Galatians. So uh, you are not under the law. And so this is, again, emphasizing your being as an heir. And so he's not speaking of legalism or syncretism. No, he's speaking about who you are. And then so verse uh, 19. So he's now speaking of fruit. And the difference between fruit and spiritual gifts is that gifts, if you receive the anointing, they just show up. But what about fruit? Fruit is different. Fruit is continually living with the Spirit. As you continue to live by the Spirit and rejecting the flesh, and what happens? And so why do you not have fruit? It's because you are not holding on to the Spirit. You need to continue living by the Spirit, receiving His nourishing flow. That's when you bear fruit. But you, are, you don't maintain that. You don't maintain it. You don't live by the Spirit. And so... And so remember, this, this year's motto is bear fresh fruit every month. And so it's when you hold on and receive that nourishing flow, that's when you, you bear fruit. So it's time for us to bear fruit. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Bear fruit. We need to be able to offer fruit to God. So do not despair when I say this. When I say this, do not despair. I'm not saying this to you to despair, right? I'm saying this to you so that you can hold faith and say, this is how I need to live now. Right? Do you have many fruit of Babylon? Right? You have many fruit of Babylon, right? We need to be able to bear fruit. And what is the secret to bearing fruit? Your effort? No, no, no. Just be attached. Be attached. If you live by the Spirit, you will automatically bear fruit. It's because you do not live by the Spirit that you are not bearing fruit. And so, now first let's see the fruit of, 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 of syncretism, the fruit of the flesh. If you do not live by the Spirit and you live by the flesh, then what's going to happen? These things will be in your life. It's evident. And so you may think to yourself, I do not live by the flesh, but I also don't live by the Spirit. No, that's not case. It's clear. It is distinct. 
If you live by the flesh, you will bear the fruit of that flesh. And so, from the perspective of Yaban Church, now you don't perfectly, you are not living abandoned to the flesh, right? You do not abandon yourself to the flesh. And yet, many of us spend more time in the flesh than by the Spirit, right? But what does that mean? According to the words of Galatians, it means that we are living by the flesh. Why? Because we are not fully living in the Spirit. And so, so men, and so because we are living by the flesh, there is this fruit of the flesh being born. And if you are unable to see those fruit, then that person is completely closed. That's the problem. We need to be able to see these fruit. That's the difference between us and the Galatians. So again, we have the fruit of flesh, and some of you are unaware of that. But others don't have the spirit of the uh, fruit of the spirit. Then they're going back and forth, back and forth. But the important thing is that the life of the flesh will bear its fruit. And so let's look at what kind of fruit that flesh bears: sexual immorality, impurity. So if you live by the spirit, if you, or if you live by the flesh, if you live by Babylon, then this is evident. And so, uh, remember when my wife was preaching, she talked about what uh, immorality is like. And you need to be able to see this, see this fruit, that, that, that this fruit is being born inside of you. And if this is personified in you, you're unable to see that. You're unable to see that fruit. But... But we've been taking, we've been fighting against the spirit of immorality for a long time in our church. And, and it's re- Let's say maybe you didn't bear fruit, but, but one clear sign of immorality is that you are not transparent in the community. You have many secrets. Then this person is affected by the spirit of immorality or is in immorality. Why? Because they do not have the uh, clear confirmation of righteousness of God. If they have that clear confirmation, then why do they need to have so many secrets? Why do they need to hide so many things? And so honestly, immorality, we, we don't need further explanation, right? But according to grammar of Greek, uh, whatever comes first in the list is the most important thing. And so look, sexual immorality is first. It's the most important thing to be wary of. Why? Because it's something that breaks down relationships. It's something that breaks down people. And so in the community, don't allow immorality to grow. So immorality, you pack your bags and leave. Pack your bags and leave. Uh, the world, the uh, God, Jesus described this world as adulterous generation, right? And so adultery is rising to its peak. And so whether it's unbelief or, or immorality, the problem is, is this, is look, what's the difference between love and immorality? The difference between, between agape and the love that the world talks about. Okay, agape comes with service. It comes with sacrifice. For example, Tong Jin, who got married recently, why did you get married to Kouni? Because she's beautiful? 
Oh, because I liked her personality? Oh, because she's my style? Then what is that? That means it's all his own self-standard. And so it's all conditional. But agape comes with sacrifice and with, with service. You marry them for that person. That's agape. But what is, what is the love of the world in morality? It's all their self-centeredness. And from their self-standard, they're enjoying that. And so if that standard changes, they can change the person. What about greed? Greed is gathering money, right? But it's actually not money. It's about gathering things, right? That's greed. And so with what you have, you feel joy. And yet you can't even enjoy it. Like immorality is about gathering people. And you think that if you have people, you'd be happy. But actually, actually, you find shame because of people. Greed, right? Money should bring you joy. But when you gather money, that money leads to your shame. And so the spirit. That's how dangerous it is, how sensitive it is. That what, what you desire is what's going to cause your downfall. And so when you're self-centered, all of your desires that come from self-centered standard, you need to understand what, uh, how this is driving you. Like why I said this, why I went together, why I went to do this, why I went to do that. At the very least, you need to be able to recognize what is driving you? And so when you speak, when you see something, when you receive something, you need to understand that your spirit is, that the spirits are moving inside of you. So at the very least, being able to recognize that, and when you recognize that, you can stop. And stop, and when you're able to stop, then you can look to the Holy Spirit. That ah, when you speak something, that ah, this speaking is out of unbelief, and then so you are able to stop, and when you are able to stop, you're able to repent. If that's not the case, then you're always going to blame someone. You're always going to blame something. I don't have money. I don't have this. Oh, it's because of that person. It's because of that. It's always going to be about your circumstances. Following your circumstances, falling into suffering because of, because of your circumstances, then you'll never be able to repent. Everything will be defined based on the standard of yourself. What is the life of a Christian? If you live by the Holy Spirit, you need to be able to build others up, right? That's what Christianity is about. It's about building others up. It's not about building myself up. And so in your Christian life, if you're all so focused on your own spirituality, and you only have the strength to maintain your own spirituality, then that is a pity. That's a pity. Oh, it's because I don't have money. It's because I don't have this knowledge. No, it's not the case. It's because you are not living by the Spirit. If you live by the Spirit, you will have the strength to build one another up. In your prayer, always praying for myself, for my family, for my own things, for my own children then that is a pity. Your prayer should be going all over the world, right? You need to have, you should have the strength to bless one another, but always saying, me, 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 me. That means you are not living by the Spirit. We need to repent deeply of this. 
And so are you selfish or, or selfless? And so it's not you trying to be selfless. It's just as you live with the Spirit, His selfless nature just takes a hold of you. I'm, that's why I'm going out into the world, going into South America, going to, going to all these places. is because selflessness, right? Selflessness. Building others up. So immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry. And so the flow of immorality, it's all about greed, right? And so what, the, what the happens is that you start to deify yourself. That leads to idolatry. And so because they deify themselves, what happens is that they become self-centered and so selfish instead of selfless. And so if nothing happens according to my will, then, then they are, if they go against me, then they are my enemy, right? And so you, everything is, your, is based on yourself. And so instead of looking at what spirit is causing this, you think that, oh, they're against me, so they're my enemy. And so what is immorality? Immorality ultimately leads to uh, betrayal, always leads to betrayal, because you're always looking for that. Can you, see, can you not see that? And so those who are strong with the spirit of immorality, they will lose personal authority. They have no authority over people. They have no influence over people because they're always being betrayed. And as they're always being betrayed, they have this hurt and they have this suspicion. They have this, they have this uh, enmity towards people. What about greed? Greed is a loss of material wealth, material authority. Right? And so in your character, whatever it may be, you need to be able to be able to, if instead of looking at yourself, looking at why, why your, what spirit inside of you has caused this, you rather blame others, blame your situation, blame your circumstances. That is being self-centered. And this means that you're unable to repent. Who is going to repent? The one who thinks that it's because of themselves or it's because it's my father? Oh, it's because of my mother. Oh, it's because of this person. Who's going to repent? It's the one who think, blames themselves first, right? And we need to be able to repent of these things. And so idolatry, sorcery, enmity. And then what else does it say? Because they are so self-centered, they judge everything based on themselves, their self-standard, they receive it, and they join because of this. And so what happens? Strife. Right? They divide themselves, as it says in the church in Corinthians. Right? They are strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions. And so immorality, as I say, it's not love. You're just trying to possess that person. That's what immorality is. So what does what does immorality lead to? It leads to envy. It leads to it leads to division and uh, rivalry, dissension, strife, enmity. Right, dissensions, divisions, envy, uh, anger, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension. Divisions, finally divisions. And so because you are basing everything on yourself, 
trying to make people your side and trying to build up your kingdom, what happens is you, even when it comes to truth, you only want accept what you want to accept. And so remember, Galatians talks about heresies, right? And what is Paul's definition of heresies, right? We think of heresies as like Mormonism, Jehovah Witnesses. Actually, before God, that's not heresies. That's just a different religion. They're just religions that are based on the Bible, but they are still different religions. But what is heresy? Heresy is that the gospel is being preached, but that gospel is not by grace, but by their strength. The gospel is being preached, but it's not just the gospel, but they're mixing worldly values. That is heresy. And so honestly, if we don't have this clear standard in our church, then we are also a heresy. Because we live by our strength, then we are a heresy. And so from God's perspective, this is what's the definition of heresy. Is that they should be a holy church. They should maintain purity. But when they become impure, that is heresy. And so God's purpose is not for you to be adequately holy not adequately purified, not adequately set apart. No. God demands only one thing, which is for you to be a pure bride. And apart from this, there is no other promise in the Bible. And this isn't made by my own will. It's not by my own purpose, but by living by the Holy Spirit. Because it's His will. Because when, and so we, all we have to do is receive everything He has done in grace. And when, when we believe in Him and are led by Him, then we are purified in Him. And when we find that we are impure, then all we have to do is repent. And so when we talk about heresy, we're not talking about some kind of great uh, flaw in their theology. No. No, it's, it's the simple thing is, is that it's similar but different. For example, you know, uh, legalism, then that's a heresy. You mix yourself with the world, then that's heresy. You may say that, am I a heresy? No, I'm not a heresy because I'm not a Jehovah Witness. I'm not a Mormon. No, that's not what this is talking about. From God's perspective, they are not heresies. They are different religion altogether. True heresy is, comes up in the church. So we must be humble. And we must have a mournful heart before God. Because what is heresy? Heresy is that, is that it seems similar, but they come to a different result. Their result is different. That is heresy. So look, you've received grace and you've received salvation and yet all of a sudden you're in a different place. That means that your place is, because your place is different, that is a heresy. Oh, I want to live by God. I want to be your God. You are my everything. That I want to love you and you alone, God. I want you to be my everything. And yet now I'm not there. Oh Lord, I need to live too, don't I? I, need to, I want to live my own life. Then that is heresy, right? Because, because you ultimately end up in a different place. Heresy, the word heresy, means that you have ended up in a different place. Verse 21. 
And so envy, drunkenness, orgies. And so this, what leads to debauchery? That is the spiritual order of things. It begins with immorality. And that immorality leads to all of these things as they get lost in worldly. They start to try to comfort themselves. Why through debauchery? Or how through debauchery? And so as I warned, I warned you as I warned you before. And so that means that Paul has been continually warming them. That if you do not live by the Spirit, if you live by the flesh, then you're constantly going to build these things. So, the, so Paul has been continually emphasizing, live by the Spirit, live by the Spirit. But these Galatians were disobedient. Like who? Like who? Like me, right? Like us, right? Right. We should have continually put to death. But, and so... Uh, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so this word inherit, that doesn't mean that they are not saved. Don't receive it that way. But ultimately, look, that's not even what's important. What's important is, is that why did God call you? God called you to be a fellow heir, right? To receive this inheritance. And so if you do not do this, you lose that inheritance. And so as I said earlier, if you live by the Spirit, then all the authority, majesty of being an inheritance is added to you if you live by the Spirit. But if you do not live by the Spirit, all of these things become null and void. And so, you become a laughingstock because you do not live by the Spirit. Because you do not live by the Spirit, you become a laughingstock. That's the terrifying thing. We need to live by the Spirit. Amen? Conversely, if you live by the Spirit, what's going to happen? Then, oh, look at this. Then, But the fruit of the Spirit is in verse 22. All of this is written in the singular, not in the plural. Earlier, the, flesh, the fruit of the flesh was all written in the plural because this one evil all has relationship with all these other spirits immorality with, with other things with idolatry idolatry to debauchery all of these things come together but when you live by the spirit you are simple right within the flesh it's complicated but in this, ultimately it will be complicated because you are having fellowship with all different kinds of spirits and so the fruit of the spirit and so the answer is to live by the Spirit. That's how simple it is. Live by the Spirit. That's how simple it is. Why receive this polluted and dirty world? Just be separated. Be sanctified. Amen? And so the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit are written in the singular. And so, and so if you bear one fruit, all the other fruits are there too. Now some may, it may have a different in times. But if you have the fruit of love, then you'll have the fruit of self-control, right? If you live by the Spirit, then all of these fruits are in you. Now, they may, now there may be a difference of time, but they will come. And so, so if I have the fruit of love, that means all the other seven fruits do I have? I do have. Right? And so all we need is love, right? Love. So love, as it says in 1 Corinthians 13, the characteristic of love, what, what is love? Love is long-suffering. Love is patient. Love is kind, right? So this is the fruit. And so if you live by the Spirit, ultimately what's most important is love. And so why does love come when you live by the Spirit? Because love is the most important thing. 
right? What is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, is there anywhere in the Bible that says that the Spirit, of, the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love? Is there anywhere in the Bible? There's nowhere in the Bible that says that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of love, right? But it says God is love, right? And the Holy Spirit is God's Spirit. And so, if you live by the Holy Spirit, the most important thing to God is love. And so, of course, that Holy Spirit, most important thing to Holy Spirit is love. And so, Jesus Christ, the reason why He died for us on the cross is because of what? Is because He loved us. And so, if you live by the Spirit, then love is the first fruit, obviously. And as it says in Colossians 1.13, that you have been moved from the power of darkness to the what? To, to, the, uh, to the world, uh, to the kingdom of the beloved Son of God, Jesus Christ, right? And so this love is what reigns over that kingdom, the reign of the love of Christ. So this agape. As we said earlier, this agape is different from the love that the world talks about, this immorality that the world says. And what clearly distinguishes it is its service, sacrifice. And then now some people, the world, it may look like they are sacrificing, it may look like they are serving, but they are serving for themselves. They are sacrificing for themselves ultimately. And so what we need to be able to see is where is my strength being um, divided to? Is it for me, 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 me? Then that means that still the Holy Spirit has not yet taken hold of me. If I'm still just praying for myself, praying for my things, then that's the problem. You may think that, oh, it's because you're a pastor that you're praying for others. No. No, there are so many pastors that only pray for themselves. I'm not praying for a long time because I'm trying to take a long time. No, it's because if I go praying for the world, right, it takes five hours because I'm going all over the world. And I'm not even praying a lot. Like, I start at one point, and, and, and as I go around the world, it takes like five hours, right? right? And so honestly, that's actually pretty quick, right? Because going around the world in five hours is really quick. So the strength, the, the motivation, are you doing it for others? Are you doing it for yourself? If 24 hours just living for myself, then are you Christian? Man, are you Christian? That's what you can ask yourself. Are you sure you're a Christian? A Christian doesn't determine his happiness for himself, but is made happy through the happiness of others. And so this isn't made by you purposely trying to be sacrificial, but no. Uh, if you live by the Spirit, then your attention will automatically go to others because you live by the Spirit. So look at our church. Okay, we spend most of our money outside. Outside, right? It's not because I'm trying to, but rather, this is the 
essence of the church. And when you live by the Spirit, that's what's going to happen. I spend most of my time for where? Not for myself, for others. Almost 24 hours I'm spending for other people, right? Apart from, apart from my exercising time, I don't spend a lot of time for myself. And so it's about living by the Spirit. That's what's the focus. Live by the Spirit and then service will be automatic. Love will be automatic. Selfish, selflessness will be automatic. So let's continue. Uh, love, joy. And so if you don't have joy, you look for pleasure. So look at the computers. Look at all of these things. It's all about pleasure, right? All of these things are looking for pleasure, not joy. Instead of the joy of God. And so many people think this, that, that because I, I'm able to be joy because there's joyous things happening around me. No, that's not the joy of God. The joy of God is not dependent on, on, on circumstances. If you believe in God and believe in who you are by what God has done for you, then joy will flow forth from your face. And as I say before, that when you describe the kingdom of heaven, ultimately what's going to be most uh, used to describe the kingdom of heaven is joy. So a uh, lack of joy is a big problem. It's clear evidence that you are not living by the Holy Spirit. And so living by the Holy Spirit is filled with joy. And, but when you don't have that joy, you look for what? You look for pleasure. And so your face should always be bright. That this joy, the smile that you cannot explain should out... <laughs> not, not immorality, but, but, but joy. And so this joy, and then what's next is peace. And so shalom in every relationship, and everything is proper before God. It's not about being friendly. It's not about being intimate, but you have this relationship. Your relationship with God is clear, so you have this confidence. And so if you are right with God, then will you, will you be um, at strife with your brother? No, you will not. So let's say even if he was uh, being bad towards me, tormenting me, would I hate him? No, I would not because look, what, what about God? God is able to forgive his enemies and love his enemies. And so this peace is shalom because victory is already determined. I can have, I am not shaken towards the world because I live with the victory that God has given me. I do not receive the standards of the world. That's what shalom, this peace is all about. And then what else? Uh, patience. So I, so, and so this patience is endurance, right? And one of, and so when it comes to endurance, it's endurance in faith. If you have faith, you have endurance. That no matter what circumstances, no matter what suffering comes, you do, you're not shaken. You have you endure. And so this is patience, right? Patience, the ability to endure and wait for God, to be able to stand firm. So those who are 
wishy-washy is because they're not living by the spirit because and because they are not living by the spirit their faith is weak so patience again from in, in Hebrews it's about it's about long suffering right endurance right? you don't need to make you don't you don't need to be urgent to make something on this earth right just wait for God so have that endurance have that patience Patience, endurance, kindness. And what is kindness? This is mercy to others. It's the heart and the ability to do good to others, to be a blessing to others. And so this is again selflessness. Your heart is always uh, towards others. It's not about making myself happy, but about building others up. And so look, this isn't about your actions, but it's about your it's about where your heart is. Are you always concerned with others or always concerned for yourself? So I'm not talking about actions here. I'm not talking about works. For example, let's say I ate something good. That, ah, so good and I eat it all by myself. But ultimately, when I eat something good, then I first think about people who are poor in our, in our church. And so I always say this to our children to remember that there's some people who cannot eat this even in our church and then going expanding that I think about all the people who are starving in Africa in, in, in Asia right and because and then also like what about in Ukraine this warfare that's going right of course this warfare is allowed by God and yet still it breaks God's heart because because look Ukraine is suffering right and their people are suffering and so I'm talking about where your heart is is your heart self-centered or selfless? So this is spiritual authority. It's not about your mind being wired that way. No, it's spiritual authority, that you have the spiritual power to be selfless, to be considerate of others. And because you have this attitude, because you have this posture, you're able to give, you're able to do, you're able to serve, because your posture is towards others. That's what mercy, that's what this kindness is all about. So if you live by the flesh, what you need to understand is you're always being self-centered, living for yourself, living for your own things, constantly looking out for yourself. That is the principle. It's when you live by the Spirit, that's when you are selfless. Why is this church, until this point, unable to build a church, even though we had so much money go through this church? It's because all of this money has been used to others, to Zoe ministry and to, to, to missions all around the world. It's not because I purposely tried to do this. No, but as I lived by the Holy Spirit, it, my hands just automatically went this way. Instead of looking out for my own, first looking out for what God wanted. And if I were to start my pastoral ministry all over again, it'd probably still be the same. Because as I live by the Holy Spirit, my hands went to others, not to myself. 
So we need to be able to constantly give and give and, and build others up. This needs to be uh, immer- your body needs to be immersed in this. And so what is what is what this means is is I'm not talking about actions. That's what you need to be clear of. I'm not talking about actions. I'm talking about where is your heart? Where is your heart? But don't think like this. Like, oh I don't have money, I don't have ability, and so it's obvious that I can't help others. No, that's not that's a lie. It's because you are not living by the Holy Spirit, it's not because you lack. Even if you are a beggar, as a beggar, you can still build people up as a Christian. There's so many things you can do. Okay, there was this book from a long time ago. And there was a missionary was sent, 400 missionaries were sent to the most poorest place in northern India. And this church in North India sent 400 missionaries all over the world. Even though North India at that time was the poorest region of, in that area. So it's not about money. It's, it's, it's not about what ability. It's about where your heart is. It's about are you living by the Spirit? Is, if the Spirit is there, then He goes beyond your ability. He goes beyond your capability. So where is your strength um, pointed at? It's because I don't have ability? No, don't lie. It's because you're not living by the Holy Spirit. Because if the Spirit of God enters inside of you, your, your, your strength will automatically be pointed towards others. And so that's why it's really important to fast for others. Not for me, but for others, right? Now, I'm not, I'm not forcing you, okay? Don't, don't do it if you don't want to. <laughs> and then uh, goodness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, gentleness, prowess, right? Meekness, and then self control. What is self control? Self control isn't just the being about control of yourself or rather being able to discern the time and the place, right? What is self-control? Self-control is uh, excellent, uh, excellent captain being able to steer the ship into harbor no matter the circumstances, right? That is self-control. Because your strength is not wasted in other places, you are able to do this. And so this is really important in our church, right? If you are a leader, you really need to have this fruit of self-control. Without this fruit of self-control, you cannot be a leader. A leader is not someone who spends their time for themselves, but rather a leader needs to spend most of their time for others. And so without self-control, they cannot live as a leader. That's very difficult. And so, and so, so the Holy Spirit will teach you where to spend your energy. The Holy Spirit will teach you where to use your energy and where to save your energy. And so that's why it's so important as a leader to live by the Spirit because living by the Spirit 
gives you the ability to have self-control. And I think this is one of the most important requirements for for, uh, for uh, um, uh, a leader. And so when it says self-control last, it's not because this is the least, but rather because it is perfection, completion of the fruit. And so I bless you, brothers and sisters, that all seven fruits will be loosened upon you by the blood of Jesus Christ, that it will fill you up and strengthen you. Amen? Let us continue. We're almost finished. And those who belong to Christ are against such things, there is no law. There is no authority to stand against you. This is the authority that we need to have. Amen? And then so, if you look at this relationship between gift and fruit, gift, there's no reason to live by the Spirit because it, they, they just manifest according to the will of the Spirit. But fruit is based on your living with the Spirit. And so fruit is a little bit more important than gift from this perspective. So for example, with the high priest, what does the high priest wear? The high priest first puts on underwear, right? Underwear. Puts on the underwear, right? The trouser. And then puts on a garment of new, new cloth which represents holiness and then, and then a robe of blue right and then this robe of blue represents what represents heaven and then on top of that is the ephod and then on top of the ephod is the breastplate and the belt right and then there's of course there's the turban and everything else right and there's all these other things right but what is attached to that blue robe there are these tassels, right? These tassels. And these tassels represent uh, these tassels of pomegranate and apples, right? And, and so as he walks, they, they rattle and they make noise, right? So what do... What do and so as he's partaking his duties, these sounds are coming around. What does this sound represent? It represents that he is clean and so he's alive. So the high priest, just as this fruit is always attached to that, to that blue robe, in the same way, we need to always have that fruit with us. But now the high priest, when he enters into what happens on the Day of Atonement, where does he minister? He doesn't just minister in the holy place, but where does he minister? He ministers in the Holy of Holies. And when he goes to the Holy of Holies, what does the high priest put on? When the high priest enters into the Holy of Priest, he, he, Holy of Holies, he goes in four times. But what he puts on is the he takes off the ephod and the righteous right the the, the 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 breastplate and the turban and all he puts on is the new cloth, the clothing of new cloth and. And that's why it says in Revelations that we need to continually wash our cloth, right? So what does this represent? Even the holy of even the high priest. No matter what ministry he may have, when he enters into the Holy of Holies, it's not about his position, it's not about his ministry that's important, but it's holiness as a son of God. And so pastor needs to come as a worshiper, not someone who leads worship. And so it's about holiness. 
And so it's holiness that's important. And for holiness, you need to first be what? You need to be a child of God. So that's the problem with the pastors these days is that they put on the ephod and the right and the breastplate and the turban so that it becomes a job. Because they keep going into the Holy of Holies with this ephod and right and breastplate, that's why it becomes religion, because it becomes a job to them, it becomes a career. But what about you? Who are you? You are priestly kings. Uh, so do you enter into the Holy of Holies or not? You do, right? And so when you go into the Holy of Holies, what should you put on? You should put on that cloth, that new cloth. But many of you, you put on your ministry, right? Your deaconship, your eldership, all of these things, and you enter. No, you got to lay those things down and go with, with your new cloth. Which What is that new cloth? It represents holiness. Holiness. So moving on, verse 24. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so, this is written in the perfect tense. And so, uh, the desires and passions have already ended, right? Because they have ended on the cross. They have been crucified. And it's because they have been crucified, that's why you live with Christ. It's crucified. It's finished. And so look. Look at today's text. That the flesh with its passions and desires. Okay, passions, right? Passions or obsession. The obsessions of your flesh. And so it's like, it's, it's this desire for things, immorality, right? And so passions and desires. So in the Greek, it says that the flesh is with, right? With is the word shrin, which means that, that it's not just, they're not separate, but the flesh and the passion and the desires all are crucified together. And so when the flesh dies, what's in that flesh is the passions and the desires of that flesh. So they died together. This is written in the perfect tense. Meaning that it's already completed. It's already finished. And so receive that in, in faith that the cross is finished. But in reality, you see that you choose that flesh again. Why? Because as it says in Romans 8.13, that if you live by the flesh or by the desires of the flesh, you will die. And so by faith, put to death the desires of the flesh. So the problem is, is that if you live by the flesh, that flesh will come back to life, even though it was already crucified. Why is this principle there? It's so that instead of just being nominally righteous, so that you can be practically righteous in order for you to grow into that true righteousness. And so let's say that it comes back to life, then just put it back to death. That's the order of things. Just put it back to death. And then let's say that flesh comes back alive, then put it to death again. Amen. Amen. Let's say you sin again, then what do you have to do? Again, put it to death. Put it to death. Until when? Until his kingdom comes. What else? If you, if you die, then there's no need, there's no need for it to, to be put to death because you're already dead, right? So put it until death, always, constantly. Always putting it to death. Putting it back to death. 
How excited are we? So Jesus, by dying on the cross, when he died to that, to the, when the flesh died, then the promise is that we can always put it to death. Then there's no problem. Just put it to death. Put it to death. Until when? Until his kingdom comes. This is actually what devil is most afraid of. Why? Because usually, usually they think that, hey, if you come back alive, that they would get excited, right? No, they can't get excited because you can just put it to death again. You have that authority. And whenever you put it to death, the strength of the Starks gets sapped. And so in faith, when you receive that it is already won, that the victory is already given to you, then you have the strength to continue put to death the Sarks. It doesn't matter if it comes back to life. You can just keep putting it to death. So this is the strength that needs to be strengthened, to put it to death, to put it to death. And as you put it to death, the old self shrinks and shrinks and shrinks. So keep putting it to death. So finish, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So continually walking with God. Right? Keeping in step with the Holy Spirit as if you are running a three-legged race with the Holy Spirit, counting one, two, one, two, being in step with the Holy Spirit, being united in will and in purpose with the Spirit, being sensitive to the Spirit, always being able to walk with the Holy Spirit. Amen? So welcome this good Holy Spirit. Welcome. How great is He, right? So do not... Do not look down upon Him. Do not ignore Him. And so we live by the Spirit. And if not, then what happens? Then we provoke one another, envying one another. We become conceited, right? We become conceited if we don't live by the Spirit. And so money is conceit, is vanity. Um, 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 honor is vanity. Um, reputation is vanity. Everything apart from the Holy Spirit is vanity. The money that comes apart from the Holy Spirit, the people that comes apart from the Holy Spirit, the wisdom that comes apart from the Holy Spirit, all of this is vanity. It's all vanity. Wow, he's a good-looking guy. I got to get married to him. That's immorality. Oh, she's beautiful. Then I let's get. That's all vanity. It's all vain. It all must be accounted to, through the Holy Spirit. And so, young adults, listen carefully. Don't look at looks. Don't look at looks, really. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit lead you. Let the God lead you. Honestly, I always say this, that, that, that when I got married, honestly, I never thought I would get married to Cho Hyun-gyong. I didn't even care about her. I didn't consider her. And I, to the point, I even said to the church, I'm not getting married. But then all of a sudden, I saw her knees and I was like, oh my God, well, look at this beautiful woman. And it was the Holy Spirit who led me there. Really? So even your marriage needs to be by the Holy Spirit. Then it will not be in vain. And so even though I proclaimed to the church that I wasn't getting married, I was not ashamed at all when I said that we're getting married. Why? Because it was God's will. Because it was God's will, there's no need to be ashamed. And then so 
let us not become conceited, provoking one another. And so when they are conceited, they provoke one another, right? Because they're always conflicting with one another. They become enemies with one another, right? Envy and strife, enmity, division, right? And so they provoke one another, envying one another. So live by the Holy Spirit. Let us pray. Let us pray. And so through this word today, that Lord, let this time be a time where the strength of the flesh gets sapped. That ah, this is about living by the Holy Spirit. And that so Lord, let us crucify once again the flesh on that cross. And all that spiritual nourishment that the Holy Spirit gives, may we absorb it all at this time and be, and, and be strengthened by you. And so though I preach for a long time, it's a very simple message, yes? Live by the Holy Spirit. So if you want to make money, then what should you do? Live by the Holy Spirit. Clear, concise. You don't need experience. You don't need business. Just live by the Holy Spirit. And so if you want to lead the church, what do you need to do? Live by the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so if you want to laugh when you're singing a celebratory song, what do you need to do? Live by the Holy Spirit. If you want to get married, then what do you need to do? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) And so if you want to laugh when you're singing, live by the Holy Spirit. So Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Oh, I didn't say this. So look. Every moment by moment, you need to keep welcoming the Holy Spirit if you do not want to live by the flesh. Oh, I have my thoughts. Then Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, reign. Holy Spirit, what's going on? Holy Spirit, lead me. And so every moment by moment throughout the day, keep welcoming the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is a person. Because He's a personality. When you welcome Him, He's going to respond. So keep welcoming Him. Keep inviting Him. And so don't push on with your life through your thoughts. If your thoughts start to move, just Holy Spirit, where are you? Holy Spirit, I welcome you. So it's really important to welcome the Holy Spirit. And so I always say that the Holy Spirit is a person. This is really important. Why do you ignore Him? Because you forget that He is a person. You need to respect that He has a personality, that He is a person. Right? What does it say in Proverbs? Acknowledge Him in all your ways and He will make your path straight. And so acknowledge Him in all your ways. All your ways. And so... It's important to understand that the triune God, this trinity God, is a person. And because He's a person, He has a character. He he is pleased. He is displeased. He rejoices. And so when you respect that and acknowledge that, this is really an important factor in your Christianity. 
keep welcoming him throughout your life. Welcome him. What is it, God? Speak. I welcome you. Whatever it may be. Even if you can't hear, it's okay. Just ask and keep welcoming him in. And so right now, let's welcome him. And so don't just pray, but Lord, anoint me at this time and let me and lead me, Lord. Lead me in how I should pray. Lead me in what I should pray. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Pour more anointing out at this time. And may we habitualize living by the Holy Spirit. And that my life of the flesh would die at this time. But continually grow in the glory that your Holy Spirit leads me in. Lord, we welcome you at this time. We invite you to this place at this time. Lord, anoint us and lead us by your Spirit. And may I put the desires and passions of my flesh on that cross every day. That it has been crucified. Yes, I believe. Lord, at this time, your servant wants to lay his hands upon your per- on your people. As he lays his hands upon your people, may you pour out your anointing, your love, and your Holy Spirit like a waterfall. According to your promise, that we would be able to live by the Holy Spirit, being inspired and knowing the joy of what it means to live by the Holy Spirit. Let us all pray together in spirit. Lord, at this time, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. All the filthy spirits of Babylon, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, come upon us that we will be able to resist and go against them. In the name of Jesus, he who answers by fire, Yahweh is his name. Uh, God has been changing the the flow from yesterday. And so we want to pray uh, because, you know, think about it. Elder Cho was about to go into a regular uh, hospital room, but then all of a sudden changed. And then Heji also, she kind of changed randomly. So right now God's will for us is that the church needs to be revived. The enemy is constantly keeping us from being revived. And honestly, these issues can be easily solved, but it's not about solution of their individual problems. But right now, God is raising, is, is, is surfacing every single one of us. And so, Ensip, listen carefully. Listen carefully. You need to be vigilant. You need to be vigilant. You need to come alive. Are you going to leave Heji alone? You need to come alive. You need to pray with loud voices. That might be you. And sip, listen carefully. In order to revive us, God is allowing this to go longer in order so that we can be revived completely. And I see us being revived. God is reviving us. And so let us be revived. So let us stand again. Let us stand together. And so let's pray all together. Lord, awaken us. Awaken us, God. Hallelujah. As I said, today's message. The problem isn't, are you going to live by the flesh or not? No, the problem is, are you going to live by the spirit or not? 
Though that it may seem like the enemy is surrounding us, that doesn't matter. It's about holiness, and as that holiness is rising up, that is what's going to be the key to our victory. Let the remnant rise, have faith, believe that there's no reason for you to be defeated. Yes, Lord, may this explosive power and authority rise up in this community that this last times may begin here and now. of heaven open up to us may the ability and authority to open those gates be given to us hallelujah hallelujah victory let's give a shout of victory hold hands hold hands at this time Lord, we pray in the name of this community that through the fullness of the Holy Spirit upon all the church and Zoe ministry, grant fullness of the Holy Spirit. Fullness of the Holy Spirit. 